Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Weekly Word Podcast. I'm Chris Hout, AIM Coach, and this is Episode 70. And like I promised, Episode 70 is a special one with regards to having a guest on. And this is one of my athletes who just finished the first of the four deserts um, race expedition multi-day stage race series. And we'll go into a variety of details of what the four deserts means and so forth. But it's one of the main reasons I bring athletes onto the podcast because I would love to share the perspective of how they're getting through it, what they view, how they feel about the training, what they feel going into an event, fears, prep, and so forth, as well as how they went and mastered themselves through the event that they were getting ready for, whether it's a one-day event, whether it's an Ironman, whether it's an Ultraman, whether it's a 100K run, a 200K run, a 100-mile run, uh, all the different events out there, a 50K swim. (laughs) I have somebody now who's looking to bike across Great Britain in the length of a 1,000 kilometers in a few days. So these are all stories about people taking on ultra-endurance adventures as working with family and just trying to make it all hit a balance and getting it done. And Hishame in this case is one of those. He's the a great example of somebody who has a full-time job, has a family, and decided to take on this adventure of the four deserts. And with that, um, the extreme training, as well as the extreme prep and logistics and details that are required to take on a multi-day stage event like a 250-kilometer run through a desert. And he's going to do four of them this year, or attempt to do four of them. And not many people have ever achieved that in all the years of them offering these races. It's not; It's under 100. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Again, it's supposed to highlight ultra endurance, the training, the nutrition, the prep, the mindset. And I think we capture it all here in this episode 70, where we talk to Hishame Mubarak, who's based in Qatar and just took on the first of the four deserts in Namibia at the end of April into early May. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Let me know what you think. Please just send me a tweet, send me a text, send me an email. And um, yeah, the more I hear from you, the more I can fine tune this podcast to you and what you enjoy listening to. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. And here we go. Enjoy. Well, you already are my guy, Hushame. So welcome to the podcast. Um, You've obviously heard many of the episodes, but it's fun to have many of my athletes and others on that have gone through their own adventure. And so um, you recently also went through an adventure. And so I wanted to talk more in detail about that with you and hear your side of the story. We haven't spoken since you uh, finished the first of your four deserts adventure. Yes, that's correct, Chris. Thanks for having me. Uh, yes, uh, we have speak, I think, one week or a few days before I start my race, which was on the 29th of April. I went from uh, uh, from uh, Qatar, where I'm based in the Middle East, Qatar, Doha, uh, going to Namibia. 
and uh, it was a quite pretty good adventure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to details, yeah. yeah. Well, before we before we get into the race, let's first um, give everybody some background on to who you are, more about um, how we met and how we what we've done in the past with regards to our work together, and sort of how the mm -hmm. last uh, year, a little bit over a year, has been working. Um, with regards to coaching and our growth to the start of what is a year-long adventure that you have signed up for. Yeah, so I think it starts uh, almost uh, 14 months ago. Uh, we start to work together. Uh, um, and I think it's around March 2017, if I remember correctly. Uh, I know about you through the the uh, Retro podcast uh, that I get connected with, and uh, I just uh, understand that uh, you, you will, uh, you, you are one of the great coach <laughs> to work with, and I was quite interested to to see if we can do something together. So we get in touch, and um, I think I remember you, you asked me a few questions about my background, what I've done before, also like um, I explained that I run some few 50ks and 100. 100k also before working together and uh, I mean we set up uh, uh, some some goals together like a race plan and um, I think it was uh, a B race uh, half Ironman in Pescara yeah 70.3 yeah in Pescara correct yeah 70.3 in Pescara uh, in June uh, 2015 June 2017 and uh, the a race, the famous A race uh, in uh, France, uh, Vichy, in Vichy, uh, yeah. in the end of August 2017, yes. Yeah. That so our first race together. was sort of a trial run, and I remember things weren't as smooth as I like them to be. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you uh, forgot your glasses, or they couldn't find your glasses <laughs> after the swim, right? Yeah, you, you, you exactly. You remember the point? Yeah, I lost like I think a great forty-five minutes on the first transition area from the swim to the bike, and it was just, just, just uh, <laughs> a very bad experience. But but it was an interesting uh, experience because yeah. I saw how um, committed you are, and that is interesting from a coach perspective because. I mean, of course, I wouldn't want you riding your bike not being able to see what you're doing without your glasses. But you sat in mm. transition. They finally found them, right? And then yeah. you yeah. rode the course and did the run, tried to beat all the cutoffs, and did your best to still have your day and your splits and just subtract the time that you were sitting in transition, despite having nothing to go for or or riding and running with totally different people around you than you usually would be. Yeah. Uh, correct. I was just, um, I remember that, that moment, yeah, I was just having my bottle of water in my hair, trying to hydrate, keep hydration in, in place. And uh, yeah, uh, I was just uh, feeling like uh, once they, they, they got the glasses, I was just going ahead. And you know, what was the most difficult for me at that time probably was, of course, first time I'm doing a triathlon, but uh, I was having the training on, on, on the back. But the uh, to be alone, you know, that was the most difficult, I mean, to be alone, and I was just racing against myself, I think, at that time, uh, on the bike, doing this uh, 90, 92 kilometer uh, alone, on the bike, with some hills up and down, and uh, I can I can see all these uh, guys in front, you know, like 
20 kilometers in front and I just don't see them I just found them back all having a party like uh, yeah. I was coming late at the party you know at the race uh, at the running phase like uh, guys what's going on <laughs> you know <laughs> it was like uh, like great fun you know at that time but I learned a lot yeah I agree with you I yeah. learned a lot on this at that time and um, I mean yeah my mindset you know to have the mindset and keep the mindset in place to to be able to 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 bike alone and uh, run alone and uh, finish it strong, you know, yeah. And still give your best effort regardless of who is there. And so then we went yeah. on to Vichy and you had a really good race there. You were really happy with your growth and your performance and your success. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, then... Correct, yeah. I remember Vichy. Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, I think Vichy was, was, uh, was uh, the peak of, of all this uh, six months training preparation. And it was definitely a moment where everything came together, the swim, the bike, and the run. Uh, I think I, I have the best run of my year in 2017. You know, when you run high and everything goes together, you feel like you are like flying, you know. And I mean, I, I'm living in, in Middle East and I used to some 50 degree temperature like 120 degrees Fahrenheit you know and that day was super hot in France and uh, I was just running so high like flying on my own and being connected with the nature around and the the atmosphere Uh, yes I I was just I was just in my uh, in my world you know and uh, it was a great 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 uh, moment because the 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 physiological and the body follow you know and the the training follow and the the fitness was, was definitely there so yeah that's and great, then, great training. So we saw what we could do in triathlon, and then you decided that you wanted to switch everything over <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah. become a runner. Um, and again, you live in Qatar um, yeah. in the Middle East, basically mm-hmm. a one big desert nation. And um, so you wanted to start doing more ultra running in and knowing that you have to train in this location. Now, you do spend some time in the Caribbean every year, but not long enough in order to really have an adaptation. So then the next event was Cape Town 100K. I think we were going to do that as a training prep mindset, getting validation of our running, right, in order to get ready for this four deserts. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's pretty correct uh, description. Yeah, right after uh, Vichy, I just uh, said, uh, I mean, what else can I do? I was having the option to go for full Ironman, probably, or, but I think I, I was attracted by you know being connected to nature and uh, you know this trail. When you are on the trail, you know you are in the middle of nowhere and uh, you you feel really connected with nature. And I, I was probably looking at that time for such feeling and, and, and moment and the the natural direction that uh, I was willing to take at, at that time, I, mean, I think October, September 2017 was to go for 100k or 50k run and Cape Town came, yeah, it was part of the, the plan because uh, close to the few months after after Ironman Vichy and uh, opening a four, five months window, but uh, honestly I did not... Uh, I did not anticipate how how the uh, ultra running versus the Ironman are so different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is what I learned. Yeah, well, we yeah. went we went from the high and um, feeling so good from 
the 70.3 in Vichy and feeling really connected and powerful and super fit to injuries and difficulties and delays and questions and some hard weeks um, because we couldn't do Cape Town because of injuries. Yeah, definitely. Uh, October, I think around the 10th of October, uh, the injury came in my Achilles on the right side. I was definitely not expecting that, but uh, now with the lesson, I know from where it comes. It comes from uh, probably not paying attention to my recovery at that time and being maybe too much excited about putting something in front, you know, as a as a new race. So I was I should have listened to my to my to my body a little bit more and. Uh, uh, anticipating the post Ironman Vichy, where you know you get this excitement and uh, yeah, but I went very on the on the low side at that time, yes. And uh, I, I remember, I think you bury myself on the swim, if I'm correct. I've yeah. done like any hundred kilometer swim in a month or something. Yeah, I had you swim. I had you swim a lot in order to oh, yeah. keep you occupied. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I turned oh, yeah, you I into a... I mean, every day was a swim. I think yeah, four k, five k, three k. I mean, it was like. A, uh, like a movie in my head. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> sweet, sweet. You, si- going on? you signed up for an ultra run and I had you ultra swimming. <laughs> but again, that was mainly to keep you active, to keep the heart engaged. And a lot of people underestimate how valuable the breathing pattern and restriction of swimming is and it sets your aerobic engine for the rigors of big training ahead because we continue to get our aerobic fitness with the amount of oxygen we're delivering to the working muscles. And so swimming with its increased intensity, but yet restricted breathing helps um, regulate that better. We learn different breathing efficiencies and the body has a lot of physiological adjustments that are happening there. So I like people swimming a lot um, when they're injured or can't do the primary sport that they're looking to do. So, so then we, we went to Cape Town, or you went to Cape Town. We, um, you, yeah. you went as a tourist. You watched the event, um, yeah. and you came back, and we rebuilt from that December, early December. I think it was December 3rd or 4th that Cape Town was, and then there yeah. we were. So we now had four months to rebuild the body and the running legs for what is the first of the four deserts events. What? When did you decide that you wanted to do the four deserts? Um, honestly, um, it was probably uh, after a moment I spent in Cape Town doing this uh, training camp. I think we decided to go <laughs> as a tourist, as you say, but I was still doing uh, some training there. You and were when swimming. I, when I, I was around, you were swimming in Cape yeah, Town. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, even Cape Town, yes. I mean, I have to find the location where I have to swim and the hiking. I mean, I was going back to some walk and run. I remember that, yes. The Achilles was feeling much, much better due to this uh, floating position from the swim. Uh, yeah, I think I decided that. Um, again, it came from, from a decision of, uh, again, same approach being like liking to be connected to nature and um, uh, I felt I felt uh, at that time that uh, um, I need to, to, to help I need to help and uh, do something for for, for, for uh, people for communities or how can I use my energy uh, into something positive for the for a group of people or something so I think I, I listened to 
to a ritual podcast, I think, if I remember at that time, and uh, the inspiration also came from there. This guy inspired me a lot, actually. Mm. Uh, and um, it, they were talking about four deserts run and, uh, and things like this, and I dig into that subject, and I found out that uh, yeah, there is a race called Four Deserts. You have you have to cross the most most unhospitable desert on Earth. This is the the hottest, I think, the windiest, the uh, driest, and the coldest. Uh, and uh, I just I just say, okay, why not? I mean, why not? Because the mindset and the fitness and the adventure uh, spirit that <laughs> that we build together. Uh, the way I'm, I'm thinking is like this now. Anytime, anywhere, let's try. Let's let's do it. Let's build around that and let's see what we can do. So it came like that. And uh, uh, I think uh, uh, from probably my background, the way I've been educated, you know, to help uh, to help the, the people, you know, to, to, to try to, to, to help the community. And I just found out that, there is a there is a, an organism called Charity Water, uh, and I link the desert and the Charity Water. The water is the, the element missing on the deserts, and the structure of that project came came like this actually. So, yeah. So yeah. you're so and it's, it's yeah yeah. Keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean and to it's interrupt. Right, uh, it, it's right after Cape Town, and uh, I mean I, it's like I, I even elevate the bar. I mean from a 100k tentative what uh, that I didn't made, you know. Uh, I go to to a multi stage day race, two hundred fifty kilometer on each race. So <laughs> yeah, it's just so, uh, just crazy. Yeah, well, but the new reality now that you've done one. So just to recap, you you decided to do the four deserts, and the four deserts is a, a series of events. It's a stage race, two hundred and fifty kilometers over seven days. Is it or six? Uh, Six days. Yeah, six, six days. days. Six, seven days. Yeah. And um, so it's the hottest desert. It's the windiest desert. It's the coldest desert. And what was the fourth one? Uh, the driest is the third. And the coldest, uh, the last one, the is last the desert last. is uh, in Antarctica. Yeah. Well, the, we'll, the coldest. Yeah, we'll go into where they are in a moment. But um, And mm -hmm. so you also began... To raise money for a charity because of the awareness and the time you're spending in the desert and it's called charity water right yes correct yes and so the charity water what what's their primary purpose what do they they try to bring water to communities in the desert um, they try to bring uh, clean water to some communities uh, that do not have access to clean water you know this this, uh, these communities that can be in Africa, like Ethiopia or Uganda or even Cambodia, south, south of Asia, where they, they have to walk hours, you know, and grab some water somewhere. And the water is even not clean, you know, it's, it's very dirty and they have yeah. to drink that water. They have to live like this. So they, they, work, they work out project, they set up project to drill some wells and get this clean water, which is underground, like 50 meter or 35 meter, depends on the geolocations and uh, based on that they provide close to the communities these wells that are providing uh, huge amounts of water uh, which is uh, most important uh, clean water so yeah, instead yeah. of having dirt water it's clean water and of course when you drink clean water you definitively uh, feel from a health point of view much better and you can i mean you can socially expand yourself you know you yeah. can start to study get your school your children going to school education 
ocean on and you know start to to build your life you know yeah water is life actually water is life absolutely and i remember rich was doing that for his 50th birthday um raising some awareness and funds with regards to that so so yeah Yeah. so then we're, we're moving into the four deserts and our training was going extremely well um we saw each other when i was in dubai in uh end of january and we we talked strategy and we talked updates with regards to training and everything was working really well we had some great simulations and the beauty of you your first four deserts race being in namibia in the desert was that you had the ideal training conditions in um um, qatar where you are um so that (laughs) you could just literally leave work in the afternoon and uh, go run in the desert and uh, do all your long runs in the desert on huge sand dunes and stuff. And we also had you do um, some overnights um, in the desert to prep you for what many forget when the multi-stage races, the challenge is whether it's Marathon du Sable or any of these four deserts or any multi-stage day race um, like these is you have to carry all your gear with you from sleeping bag to food, to all your clothing and gear you need for seven days in the desert. And so it becomes a huge question of logistics, of prep, of details, of getting your body used to running with an additional seven to 10 kilos on you, um, 15 to 20 pounds in many cases. how you're going to eat and nourish yourself after um, 50, 60K runs in the desert and coming back and not having solid foods or having to eat uh, freeze-dried foods or not being able to eat everything that you need for uh, such a huge adventure. And so while many people might look at the distances and not be that intimidated, the challenge becomes that you also need to, A, you're in the desert, B, the, the footing and the conditions and the environment is going to take a much bigger toll on your body, but then throw in that you're limited in your calories and your hydration for how you're going to recover and replenish your sleeping on the ground in tents provided by the organizers, but it's not like this is the four seasons. And... So your, your recovery is different, your sleep is different, the environment is different, your feet are chewed up. It's all completely more difficult and therefore come day three or four, we're talking a different animal than just um, um, a typical long ultra race. Like even some of the FKTs in the United States and so on, where people are going weeks on end for lump, some of these longer runs, Appalachian Trail and so forth there's still access to um, crew and support and you don't have that in these desert races. So that's the the main thing that I wanted to qualify. And so in our training, what went really well was your ability to be very detail oriented, to research all that you needed. I mean, we must have gone through, would you say 10 or 12 different food companies that are able to provide different type of expedition foods and foods to survive oh, yeah. on in, in the desert. Yeah, and, so. <laughs> yeah, 
And some of them, uh, some of them were, the tests were great, but unfortunately, some of them also, the tests were just so bad. I mean, you are really to manage between the calorie uh, of each of this, of this food and the weight of each of these foods. So really, the, from, like you say, from logistic point of view, the logistic was a huge part of the preparation. And it took me like, let's say, a good four months, you know, to, to, to finalize the logistic with all these gears, this food, and, 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 you know, getting to this final number, what will be my backpack weight at race start? And I finally found that it was around 9.7 kilo, uh, yes. 9.77 to be very exact. So, and, yeah. And you took everything out of huge, the... Yeah everything out of the packages you resealed them you set yourself so that you had nothing extra um and yeah, let's not yeah, forget exactly. i removed them from the original packs yeah, and i vacuum sealed them you know to, to save some some yes space I, I i remember i even cut the sleeves of one of my uh, gear which is the poncho you know for for the rain i cut yeah. the sleeves in case of i can save like uh, maybe 50 gram you know which <laughs> is huge you know for for Yep, yep. And we also talked about... This is just crazy. We also talked a lot about the strategy prior on how we want to eat more in the beginning, knowing that your pack is going to get lighter and that you're going to want to preload your calories front end for the first few days and knowing that every day things are getting lighter and better. But it's still, I mean, 9.77 kilos is over 20 pounds. And that's a lot of weight to be carrying while running in sand dunes and across desert terrain that is very extreme and very remote. And then throw in, so how much water did you get along the way? Do the organizers put out? Hishami, are you there? No, just just when we're getting into the meat of it, I lost you. The good thing about... uh, uh, internet connections sometimes they drop off and that way we can quickly get you back so i was asking about um how much water the organizers put out for you that's a great question because this 9.7 kilo was without the water and we were obliged to to carry 2.5 liter of water so you have to add 2.5 kilogram uh, on the weight, which I was basically running with 12 kilo on each uh, on the first day. So that's, and, um, so that's 30 that's pounds. <laughs> yes, exactly. And let's say every day uh, the food uh, intake was about, uh, let's say, five to 600 grams uh, less every day. So uh, you do the quick calculation. In three days, I just remove like 1.5, 1.6 kilogram. And uh, that was that was that was great. Actually, <laughs> I feel it like like uh, yeah. But um, I mean, the difference is really not not that big, because if you want to 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 have uh, more calorie, you unfortunately uh, increase the weight. So you you cannot race start you know with uh, with a fourteen kilogram of of, of 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 weight on your backpack. So it's a really a, a fine tuning founding the fine tuning balance between the weight between the calorie between the terrain between the environment and the way you you, you lift your backpack so it was really uh, always a kind of being borderline uh, but always thinking about taking the food at the right timing during the run uh, focusing on the recovery after the run so yeah it was very interesting very very interesting 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and so before we go into the race, um, what were your thoughts leading into the race, into the event? Um, not really a race. Did you feel prepared? What were your biggest worries um, as you before you left Qatar to head to Namibia? Well, um, before that, you know, I, I've never run. Uh, <laughs> I never run such type of race. And uh, during the training, I think we we have to highlight that uh, uh, the body uh, support, you know, the training load, and uh, we build uh, most important in a gradual uh, way, you know. So coming from an Achilles issue uh, from October last year and uh, building to a multi-stage race, 250 kilometer, was uh, was a great step, you know, a huge step for me, and uh, I, great. I'm grateful for that. My, my body and physio- physiological part follow, follow, follow the training load. And uh, I think it was it was it was great approach, you know, on putting sometimes some bike, rarely some some swim. And I think I remember we finished by five strong weeks uh, heading to the race with mainly runs every day. And uh, yeah, I mean during the race actually I did not felt anything on the legs. It was just uh, some load on the on the on the load, you know, the load on the legs due to the daily daily marathon but uh, uh, prior to that uh, i think i built uh, really the body and this mindset this this confidence you know on on being able to 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 do it you know so which was the the really really important part for me heading heading to the race um and then i mean the first thing that came to my mind when when arriving there is that that's not going to be a joke it's like it's like I mean, it's like being a survivor, you know. It's it's really like this. I mean, you arrive to the to the race camp number one, and wow, it's it's wow. You just realize that this is not a joke <laughs> at all, you know. Yeah. So they will not care about you. You have to carry everything. They give you a tent. They give you hot water and cold water, and that's it. I remember that moment when I enter inside the tent, and we are we are sleeping like uh, seven or eight inside the tent, uh, multi multi. Coming people coming from everywhere around the world, and uh, I mean, you realize that wow, uh, there is nothing. <laughs> yeah. There is nothing at all. I mean, it's you and you. That's it. So that that was that was great. That was what I was looking for. But you know, these five minutes, you think about that and you say, hmm, "That's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see how it goes in the next few hours." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you felt, but you felt, what were your biggest fears? Did you have any fears or did you just feel pretty confident and ready to take on whatever the adventure brings? Honestly, my, 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 one of my fear, I think it's probably, um, uh, I was, I was mainly thinking about my, my body. If, if the body will, will support, you know, the, the, the load, uh, on doing, uh, in six days, 250 kilometers. Uh, any injury or type of things like this, I was thinking about that, uh, and hopefully it did not happen. But that was my my greatest fear. I, I also uh, I also know that I was capable to do it. Definitely, uh, I was confident on the mindset point of view. I was really really strong on, on that part, and. Uh, I probably also used the the lessons of uh, the previous race we done together, like this Ironman and the preparation and all these things, to to really arrive there and just being, you know, 
like like ready uh, the backpack was ready also and uh, the training was was made and uh, yeah it's like i was more worried about something from the outside is going to come and disturb you know the yeah. the, the, the 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 strategy and the mechanism and the body prep that we put together you know so yeah so. i was always thinking that protecting myself about the outside to be really focused and being able on every day to to do it so every day was really a new new run a new race starting yeah yeah, yeah. well and and those are factors outside of your control and so you knew right. that that's pretty much the only thing that could come up things that you do not control and yeah. but everything that you can control we basically simulated i mean i think we did some of the three-day simulations were further in distance anyways than you would be running um, in the race on the first three stages. So, um, yeah, we, we as many of my athletes know, I like to um, have you prepared for more than what the race will bring in the beginning. And then once you're settled into the event, your training and your mindset takes over. So... Um, yeah. well, good, good. And so the first few days we had a different strategy and routine, um, than, um, before we got into the last few days, which was including the long March and the final stage that was longer. So walk us through the routine of the first three stages, three days, I think it was. And, um, what were the distances about, uh, uh, 45 to 50 kilometers a day, right? Yes, correct. I think day one was about 40, 45. Day two, around 40, 40. And day three was the uh, same, around 42 and 43. So a good block of, uh, of yeah, of, uh, four by three. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was 120, 130 kilometers, yeah. Yep. yeah. And so um, what you, you would get up in the morning. Um, walk us through what you found. Yeah. I mean, the first day is always the first day. There's no routine yet. But the second and third day, you would get up in the morning, what time was the race? What time was the stage start? Um, the stage start around 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in Namibia, the, the sunrise was around 7 or 6.45. Uh, I, will, I will always remember the, the first day when I wake up in the tent and I was saying to myself, wait, what am I doing here? Where I am, you know? <laughs> What's going <Yeah>. on? <laughs> it feels like, like, like weird, you know? And then a few seconds you realize that, okay, I have to go and run a marathon now. So let's go. Let's do it. So, yeah, I mean, waking up around three, I think three hours on the first days, and then I realized that I can sleep a little bit more and wake up <laughs> two hours before. <laughs> I mean... One hour of sleep is, is huge. I mean, oh, after yeah. four or five days of marathon, is just, I mean, unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, um, I was mainly um, waking up, you know. Uh, so you have to straight think about uh, nutrition and the food. Um, um, as you know, I'm a vegan athlete. So I'm, I have to eat, you know, in a certain way to provide my own calorie. And it's not about, uh, like, eating meat or fish or whatever, you know. It's all about plant-based and all these things. So I pay huge attention into that. So mainly I was focused on the um, electrolytes uh, in the morning, uh, getting my electrolytes on, a good 1 liter, 1.5 liter, and uh, a good uh, 300 gram of, uh, of food. It can be like quinoa or tabouleh or something like this, 
you know, uh, very, very wild. I use also some pinole. That's uh, great food also for ultra running. And, um, yeah, the basic thing that you do at home, but you don't have any walls actually there. It's uh, washing your teeth, you know. You have nothing to do else, you know. It's really uh, against the wind you do outside, and it's, 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 you're, you're like a survival, you know. Yeah, then, but you have to pack everything up, right? Exactly. Then came come the, the issue of backing everything, you know, back into the backpack. And of course, on the bottom, where is uh, on the on the bottom of the backpack, <laughs> touching your lower back, you want to put, you know, all these soft things like the sleeping bag, like uh, you know, all these things that will not hurt your lower back. Yeah. And so you remove all your food because you have to protect all your food from the humidity of the night. And then you have to put back everything, your sleeping bag, put back everything inside the bag. And it took, I mean, I, 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 I done some training on the putting everything and removing everything weeks before. But, you know, when you have uh, the, the race organizer saying, okay, guys, we start in 35 minutes and, you know, you look at yourself and you say, wow, I have to put my shoes, my, my stuff. And no, I'm not going to make it, you know, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was just crazy. So yeah, you, you manage your backpack. Then the next step for me was to do some kind of stretching, you know, uh, hip flexors, psoas muscle, uh, things like this, uh, to warm up, kind of warm up the body and, uh, yeah, focus very specifically on, on the feet, you know, to avoid any, any gram or sand presence you know between the feet and toe and below the feet so you have to very very pay close attention to your feet to avoid any blister then when you have your feet clean you put your anti-shave or gurnegoo stuff you know and your socks and uh, compressors and for the calves and let's go i mean yeah everybody was doing the same and uh i think 15 minutes before the race start there is a kind of there was a kind of uh uh, briefing with the organizer what will be the race profile of, of the day and the temperature of the day and yeah and then 8 a.m gun off let's go guys boom <laughs> yeah yeah so and then and so then you would run over all kinds of terrain from sa soft sand to hard sand to um dirt to um all kinds of, so based off the pictures and so forth which everybody can look up on the four deserts website themselves yeah. um and then so after about five six hours six six ish hours you would roll into camp um or the finish of that day stage yeah exactly so it was definitely not a flat terrain and uh on the three first days the temperature just rise up rise up rise up i think we start with 90 degree fahrenheit on the first one and the, the third one was like a good uh a good uh, something like uh, 100, 110 degrees Fahrenheit on at, the at, first days. Uh, at the start or during the day? Uh, uh, let's say one one to two hours after the, the start, and then you have to manage at that level of temperature for the next good, let's say, four hours outstanding heading to the, the, to the race finish of that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So the the race terrain is is just not flat, so up and down, and uh, you know here in Qatar it's quite flat. So I was like, I think I was doing this forty k like on a good three hours forty five minutes or four hours here, but there uh, it was like a, a good, I mean, a minimum of five hours thirty minutes or six hours. So which is 
which have to be managed from a nutrition point of view because uh, you have to take food uh, every... I start to take food like 30 minutes after each race start day and uh, every 45 minutes to one hour I was intaking like um, a good 250 calorie or something like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, just think about that. Was, how, much, yeah. how much food we eat in a week of training at home yeah. And if you had to pile all that up and put it in a bag and carry it with you, <laughs> so yeah. and, uh, for a, for a solid 250k training week, you have to figure, you know, 150 mile training week. How much would you eat at home, and how much would you drink at home, and in order to recover and be able to continue to run a marathon every day? So, um, with a long day in there, um, yeah. So just thinking that on your back and carrying that with you and 100% self-sufficient, which is, which is fascinating. So then you finished the stage and what was your routine when you finished the, um, the stage each day? Did you have a set routine that we talked about? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, preparing, uh, preparing the, the next day. That was, uh, the huge part. First thing, preparing the next day, which is opening the backpack, removing everything again, you know, and looking for the sleeping bag at the real, real, real bottom of the backpack, uh, getting some, uh, pea protein for me, uh, pea protein, let's say 30 minutes after I arrive at the camp. Uh, going for my stretching uh, and uh, getting my my first kind of food, you know. I was putting my, my dinner into two parts. Like uh, I have, uh, let's say, uh, pasta or something, gluten-free stuff. I was eating like uh, 100 grams of it around 6 and uh, the other 50 grams or 100 grams of it around uh, 8 o'clock or something. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is from the food point of view during running or after the running, I mean, this is real. You feel that you are really border borderline. You know, it's it's it's. You are always in deficit. You know, by yeah. every day, like a good one thousand, one thousand, one thousand five hundred calorie per day. Always yeah. every day. So how much weight did you? Food. How much weight did you lose and over the seven days, or by the time you got back home to Qatar? Uh, I think a good uh, three three point five kilogram. Yeah, okay. I so, was definitely skinny. So I mean, eight pounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I start at seventy kilograms, seven zero, and yeah, sixty-seven, sixty-five. Yeah, all all of us. Yeah, all of us. We were just like, uh, you know, <laughs> like yeah, uh, yeah dry. <laughs> yeah, and I saw yeah. from the results standpoint, I kept checking every day and and seeing how you're doing, and you were working your way up sort of into the middle of the pack and then the front of the pack, not the front of the, um, the sort of the elite runners, but I mean, for you to stay nice and conservative and consistent, like we said, in prep for that long March day, um, that was our goal. And I think you looked like you were feeling pretty good uh, coming into the long March. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, found something uh, really great lesson for me for the next race coming up is in Qatar as you know I'm training alone during swim bike and definitely the run I'm always alone always 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 um, I, I, I actually like to be alone and uh, what happened on the first day of the race is that you know everybody starts and everybody is getting excited and uh, myself also I'm excited and I start to see everybody like rushing like you know we are just doing a 5k you know, I say, 
you guys, you are all crazy. I mean, what's going on? So, and it, I, I do not want that, but I felt like attracted by, 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 by this, by this group of people and uh, pushing, following them instead of focusing on my pace. And this is, I think, the great lesson I learned on that day. Uh, I think I definitely learned that this race is not going to be a, a race between me and other competitor. No. It will be a race between me and me because yeah. the distance are so huge. And, uh, you know, but I felt, I think, on the three first hours on the day one, like, wow, like, uh, you know, uh, blow by these m- groups of people. And, you know, and then. I realized, no, I need to focus on myself, focus on my nutrition and hydration, and it, it, will, it will come up all together at the right time. So I just, like you said, pace, and I was daily, even <laughs> every day I was finishing, I think, around 27 out of 90. Uh, every day, on day one, two, three, I was uh, position, my position finishing was 27. I don't know, yeah, yeah I saw that, I saw that. And so yeah. then the long march, how, long, how far was the long march day? The long march day was day four, starting at eight, and it was 80, 84 kilometers, uh, a double marathon. Yeah. So 84 kilometers. Marathon, uh, yeah. So you already have three days in your legs, 120 kilometers in your legs, and nutrition deficit, surely hydration deficit as well, just because you can't get all that in. And uh, after yeah. being exposed to the sun, although those... Those temperatures were not that unfamiliar for you, and then the long march. I think you did the long march great. Did you did you hit um, a lot of nighttime? No, right? You 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 were only in the dark for a little bit. Um, I think I was on the dark for about uh, three hours, uh, yeah. from seven to to nine fifteen. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, the strategy was to. To, to put all the food on day one, two, three, uh, to load on the food on, on day yep. one, two, three. So I think I removed like 1.5 kilogram of food weight on my backpack. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I was I was knowing, you know, that this long March day will be a hot day because of the location, because of the information they give us. And they, they mentioned to us it will be around uh, a good uh, 44 or 45 degree uh, Celsius, which is, I think, 115 degree Fahrenheit. Uh, we definitely reach, reach 120 degree Fahrenheit. So, so, yeah. uh, so I, just, <laughs> just thinking of that, on the fourth day in, you're running all day in 115 to 120 degrees <laughs> yeah. in the yeah. desert with... 25 yeah. pounds, 23 pounds on your back. So, yeah. good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just normal for me. You see the way I'm responding to you. Uh, yeah, I think definitely because, uh, uh, as you know, through the training, I'm, I'm even biking with uh, 125 or 130 degrees Fahrenheit here. So, yeah. 50 degrees Celsius, I'm doing bike, you know, and stuff. So, I believe that because of... of, of of the location where I am here in Middle East and uh, the strategy we put in place and of course the, the training and the, the fitness, I think everything came together on that day. So I don't know what happened, but you know, we start quite early on that day, like around seven and it was kind of foggy, foggy moment, you know, everybody is getting excited. You can see the fear in face on the face of people. I was myself thinking about um, how I'm going to handle this, but kind of confident, let's, let's, 
take each 10, 10 kilometer or each checkpoint section one by one and we'll see how it goes. So on that day, uh, I just start and um, uh, I, uh, every day I realize that um, I need a kind of, of warm phase, you know, the body to wake up from the day before, from the night. I didn't sleep very great, you know, on this all these days. I mean, my best night was day one and the last day. Otherwise, I sleep like, uh, you know, sleeping on the ground, you know, moving on the left, moving on the right. You don't sleep. I mean, you just sleep I something like three hours every night. I was yeah. sleeping something like this. So uh, every day after 30 minutes run, the body kind of wake up for me. And that day, uh, the, the heat came quite quickly, you know, uh, after, let's say, 45 minutes or one hour and we start. So I keep focusing on my hydration as usual. Uh, I never felt an issue with hydration and uh, checking myself, you know. So I really, really focus on getting this one liter or 1.5 liter, uh, even on the one hour section or one hour 15 section. And uh, I start to feel that, you know, the temperature was going up and I was starting to feel like, wow, the fitness is coming up. There is something happening here. So I have less weight on my backpack. I feel great. And, you know, this moment where you run high, you know, same as what we have achieved in Ironman Vichy last year, this moment happened again on that long day march. So I was able to, to, to run at a pace of, uh, I think, around nine, nine minutes or eight, 8.5 uh, minutes per mile uh, wow. that day. Wow. Uh, with the backpack on, yeah. And during uh, during a good, let's say, uh, wow, a good uh, eight hours, eight to eight to nine hours, yeah. That's so uh, I didn't pay attention around around me, but I was feeling so good. I was feeling on my on my own world that I was just passing everybody. So I catch up with many many people, you know, that day. And I was just, you know, tapping on the back of that person and uh, telling him good luck, uh, keep drinking water. You know, we all help each other, you know, after after day, day three, because we all know each other. We are all in the survival mode. And uh, we yeah. just, you know, it's like it's like it's like we are all a family. You know, that was a great part of the camp every night. Yeah. Then, you know, at that time, I really, really felt like great. You know, I, I was saying, wow, something is going on. The the, the Training is paying, and uh, everything clicked together. Physiologically, everything went well. The legs follow on the uh, uphill, downhill, rocky terrain, environment with hot and some windy section. Everything was managed. And more I go, more I progress, and more I was seeing around around me like a good 50 people falling apart. All of them falling apart due to lack of hydration, fatigue. And, and stuff like this. So, because probably I'm used to the heat, uh, and above 40 degrees Celsius, you know, I'm, I'm just clicking the body, uh, and the fitness uh, that was built during the training, I just compete. Uh, I was not knowing that actually. I, would, I, I was competing with the, uh, the the elite athlete on the on the front end, you know. Uh, so I realized that at the mid. Of, of the midsection of the of the race around kilometer 45 i was positioning i think three or four out of uh, out of 90 or 88 so i was saying what is going on yeah yeah <laughs> no i saw yeah what's, yeah what's going on so wow this is just crazy so 
you know, uh, I was just developing the strategy. We, we work together and all these things together, boom, boom, boom. And uh, it pays it pays off, you know, and uh, which is great. It comes all together at that time. And it was, we were, I was able to maintain it for hours, you know, for hours. It's not like for one or two hours. It's, it's about eight hours, you know. That's so, great. That's great. That's, so that's the long really, march. Really crazy for me. The long march was was your best day. You felt the strongest and felt most connected. I think this will be my best day of of, of the year so far because <laughs> other rays are coming up. But yeah, yeah, I was gonna I say, Shami, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> we have plenty no, of I mean, work ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. So before, I, I mean, this is very rare moment where you feel so so good and you know you are like you know this flying moment. Yeah, it's called yeah, it's called flow. To, it's to called be... flow. Yep, where everything connects and everything feels exactly. effortless and yeah. mind and body and soul and spirit all are exactly. in one. Yeah, yeah. So That's before we go yeah. into so... what is next, um, the last stages. How how were the last Day, well, it's not really two stages. The last one stage, and then you have the, the the easy stage, the glory stage. Yeah, uh, after this long day, which I complete, I think uh, in twelve or thirteen hours, the next day was like of day off. But uh, believe it or not, I mean, the day people start with me uh, at seven a.m. That day arrive. Some of them arrive the next day at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. I mean, it was oh, just crazy. I mean, yeah. you, you have the time to sleep, you have the time to, to do whatever you have to do. And, and you know, I was thinking about all these guys and cheering them on the, on the finish line and, you know, wow, everybody's doing his own race, you know, and uh, this this is no more, uh, I mean, this is no more a race in the in placing point of view or doing the results. It's really a race against <laughs> Each each one of us, you know, our own race because the distance are so huge and it was just wow. But I mean, you still have this this competition uh, competitor aspect in your mind, you know, that you always look around and you say, okay, let's try to do this because maybe I can or let's try to do that, you know. So uh, that day, yeah, I jumped from twenty seven to to the position seventeen. Yes, uh, so plus plus ten. And uh, the next day was just a day off, you know, where you can I mean, just have rest, you know. So I think, uh, uh, <laughs> I think I send you that. I summarize that day like being in a saloon, you know, in a in a in a cowboy uh, movie where everybody walk like like a cowboy, you know, because <laughs> everybody has blisters. Everybody is looking for a spot under the shade, and everybody is looking for a chair to elevate their feet, you know. <laughs> It was so funny, man. <laughs> it was so I like that. <laughs> you, That's a great description. That, That's a great yeah. description. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the toilets that it's like porter cabins. They are like 50 meters far from from the tents, and everybody goes, of course, there. And you can see people walking like like I mean, like John Wayne. You know, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you know, it's. Oh, it was so funny. So that day, uh, it's rest day, but it was definitively not enough. I mean, from my point of view, because the way I feel it, the next day, uh, the load of this uh, five marathons so far done uh, on day six start, uh, you feel the load on the legs. And um, yeah, uh, you just, I mean, at that at that day six, which was 42 kilometer again, uh, the last long, uh, long distance, uh, 
I think all of us, or the way I describe it for myself, is like the body adapt to the situation. So I was waking up, you know, preparing myself, uh, and it's like uh, I was like like a robot, you know, something like. That's amazing. It's exactly at the same time again. Twenty this time, twenty nine minutes last. Time. Are you still there, Hishami? Hold on, you're breaking up a little bit. Are you there? <laughs> I will try him again. But yeah, you guys are hearing the full blow-by-blow blow of uh, how it works for a seven-day stage race. And um, Hishame was in great spirits, and it it just shows that he was excited to do it. And that our training really had culminated to a point where he really hit this uh, seven-day, six-day stage race in stride. Our taper slash what, what you can really do with regards to a taper at uh, uh, when you're going into a long event, you don't want to taper too much and become lethargic and lose the connection. But oh. All right, Hisham, hey. Yeah, again, it it's, again. <laughs> it's your beep. It's it's the um, the government. They shut it off. At t the first one was twenty three minutes. This one was twenty nine minutes. They don't like you. Uh, probably, <laughs> probably. So, so you finished yeah, that last day. That, yeah, this, this this last day, I think the body just adapt to to, to anything. You know, uh, uh, if you tell me at that at that day six, if you were saying to me, okay. You still have four days of each day a marathon. I think I was just going to say to you, okay, let's do it, you know. Yeah, one by well, one. that's, okay, that's what happens to a lot of ultra endurance events and multi-stage things. When we do coast rides or um, two, three-week um, long rides, um, and, and it's not like those happen that frequently, but the body goes into this autopilot mode that it can just wake up yeah. and it knows exactly what it needs to do. And also what I think you found um, when you're out there in the desert or when we're in any type of um, remote environment, when we're not distracted by anything else to do besides one activity all day, the body is actually very, very um, uh, effective like this. It's not thinking about work. It's not thinking about other things. It just knows the task it needs to do when it wakes up in the morning. And it, it is incredible how well the body works when it is giving, given this type of routine and this type of activity. And you can see the pure um, um, ancestry of who we are as human beings, as hunter-gatherers, as long distances and that if that is all we have to do each day from sunrise to sunset, we are incredibly, incredibly effective as human beings to do this. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt it on this on this night section of the long day march where where I was. I think at that moment I was like on a five five k arriving to the finish line alone in the middle of nowhere. And at that time, I remember I was thinking about, whoa, there is something around me, but I don't know what is it, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It can be animals, you know, but you don't know. Maybe a, 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 a hyena or, or, you know, a fox or whatever is it. Yeah. And uh, I felt, I felt on that day really high, but I felt really, really connected with this physiological 
part of the body, you know, the, this mindset. I mean, this was just just great. I mean, and uh, but something unfortunately happened to me on, on that long day before this last uh, 42k on day six, which I hurt my left leg on on the stone, and I felt like kind of twist, you know, on the knee uh, knee section on the left side. So I I was really having a, a kind of beginning of pain uh, on the left side on this long day march so my focus on this rest day after i finished that was really to try to recover as much as i can you know and uh, not focus that much on the pain but see move the leg do not sit and uh, you know wait for it try to stretch a lot and do like few things like that but unfortunately the last long day which was day six a uh, 40 40 kilometer to finish uh, i was just it was a june day crossing the, use, the, the highest dunes in Namibia, uh, I think uh, that was my worst, worst day in terms of pain because uh, the left side was just, uh, was just terrific. I mean, it was just terrible. And so I went, I think, through five hours of pain. Uh, like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one step at a time, downhill, uphill, I cannot run anything. And on the flat section and on the dunes, of course, it was just one step at a time using the trekking pole. And uh, yeah, but I, I saved my position and I, I just made it. And I think the mindset drive me to the to this finish line on that day six. I think yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there it day, is. But I uh, really suffer a lot on that day six. Well, and you did it, and it will only help you for your next adventures that lie ahead. So before we go into that, you have that last day, day seven, which is only seven kilometers, I think. Um, it's sort yeah, of yeah, seven kilometers, uh, ten, ten, ten kilometers, but ten. they made it like uh, all of us. We say at the end, "Oh, these guys are crazy," because they they put sand. We we run on a lake, on the dry lake, where your feet, when you touch the ground, I mean, it goes like a good three, four, five centimeter deep, you know, it's like a sand, but it doesn't look like a sand, so I mean, they made it extra difficult. 40 case something, yes, <laughs> it was just a nightmare, but I remember that moment, I was running with a guy from Mexico on my right, and a guy from Italy on my left, you know, on that day, 10k, you just take it easy, you know, and appreciate this last moment, uh, three of us, we were thinking the same thing at the same time, we are saying, wow, this is going to, to be finished in a few minutes. I think we were like 30 minutes from the finish line. But all of us, we are thinking about, wow, this is going to be finished. We are going to go back to civilization, you know, because we were out of civilization for seven days. Like very raw, very organic, you know, very connected, each one of us with ourselves uh, as a group, you know, and stuff like this. So we were, uh, personally, I was like really not afraid to be back to civilization, but uh, having in, in mind that, wow, this is a great experience. So I, I wish it to, to everyone to be to be able to do it. I was thinking that first, I'm lucky, I'm really lucky to do that. I was grateful uh, for the job we done together and the body trying, uh, really managing it that way. But uh, that feeling came, you know, when you see this finish line there, the bus are there, these buses are going to take us to the hotel in a few hours, you know, and you just say, wow, this is just amazing, you know, what we just achieved. And, uh, you know, we went through landscape, crazy landscape, you know, atmosphere around, animals around, running on some beaches with some seals around, like, 
hundreds of them. Uh, yeah, I mean, Namibia is, is, is a huge uh, Grand Canyon uh, landscape. You know, it's, it looks like Grand Canyon, you know, and the, I mean, the feeling you have uh, into that atmosphere is just like, I mean, you feel like very uh, small part of this nature and world. And I mean, being able to, to, to achieve that was really, really a great moment. So, yeah. Uh, we were thinking about that, these three guys, and I, I also remember when we saw this finish line on the bus there, we were just like having a pace of, I think, three minutes per, per night or something like this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Let's finish. Yeah, Let's yeah, go yeah. Because, I mean, no, no, no shower for seven days, no oh. real food for seven days. <laughs> What's going on, guys? <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> we are human. I mean, the pain is fine, but after, I mean, when you see this bus, it's like your your body realizes that oh, now I'm going to show you what you have done to me. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you back. You know, you beca <laughs> yeah. become very tired. You become very tired. How oh, have yeah. the how have yeah. how has the last week felt? How are, how are you doing? Um, I felt good question. I felt definitely like um, uh, huge appetite. Huge appetite. And, uh, I'm, I'm eating like like hell since I'm back, you know. And I really try to be careful on that because well, I know that the, the next one is coming soon. But uh, yeah, I mean, appetite definitely. Uh, uh, getting back to the to the focus on hydration. Uh, uh, in terms of of uh, of uh, body, I will say uh, I think we have a good uh, five days off or six days off without nothing after I came back. Uh, and uh, we restart with a run, and that run was quite specific for me. It's like I was running with a backpack of 300 kilograms. <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. It's like I did not feel it on the legs, but more on the feet. It's like below the feet, uh, I'm running on something even stronger than concrete. I mean, this is very weird feeling, and, uh, and backpack is, is on my back. Of course, I have nothing, but I felt like... I really, I was really running with something very heavy on me, you know. So maybe the the the, the muscular, you know, the the skelet and the ligament parts are just trying to readapt, you know, or something. Uh, I don't know exactly, but I felt like appetite. Uh, I felt also like um, recovery side was quite okay uh, during the race and after the race. So kind of. Uh, it's the body is repairing itself quite uh, in the good good way. Uh, so in general, this is the feeling I, I felt. Uh, I felt also like uh, being on my cloud that on my cloud that I achieved. I mean, I achieved this this first 250k. Uh, I can declare myself as ultra runner now. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you can. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm proud of proud of that. I'm thanking you for that. And yeah, I mean, that's the thing uh, I have. And uh, as I say, I also uh, felt kind of um, uh, back to the civilization. So uh, it took me a good one, one, I mean, seven days to to, to ten days to to re readjust, you know, to the civilization. You know, with cars and noise everywhere. You know, when you are running in this nature without any noise around and. Uh, being connected with yourself it's kind of weird you know this is where you realize that how we are so uh, surrounded by by so much noise you know and all these phones around and wow and uh, we really really need to focus on ourselves by disconnecting you know ourselves from all this technology and go back to the roots you know yeah so yeah. Yeah, and, i and felt that 
Definitely. And that that was one of the beautiful things you said with regards to you wish everybody could experience this nature, this self yeah. um, um, discovery, and this time out there. It takes, as you know, a day or two just to to shut the brain down and the body down to be in nature. But then once you're in it, it's a very powerful, relaxing, creative, immersive um, experience that is very valuable for anybody. Um, and that's that's one of the, the beauties of ultra endurance, that we're allowing ourselves to become that fit to take on a, a spiritual journey like this too. I mean, it is a spiritual journey that you went through and, and your re-immersion back into society is different. I, I can see that. Well, let's fin finish up here with um, what we have ahead. So we have a couple of weeks where we're going to rebuild the training very gradually. We have to be very smart on the niggles and potential injuries that might come up here. Um, and we'll do a lot of uh, uh, communicating and staying in close touch uh, via our usual WhatsApp. And... Um, but then we'll want to we'll want to bring up that running fitness again. Um, I think we will want to bring up some calories and some food again. I would rather have you being a little bit um, heavier going into the next race, knowing that you need that weight and that power and that strength later in um, the week of your next adventure. And the other thing is, um, Hishame. Um, Remember, we will need to put on a good amount of weight, and I know that's not easy for you being plant-based, but um, as many of the listeners will now hear, um, you are going into the Antarctic, so your ability to stay warm will be your biggest concern. So what we will want to do is start thinking about, as we go into November, that last desert, um, in the Antarctic, where you will be there for a week in, in that type of environment, exposed, sleeping in it, and those temperatures, we will want to start thinking about putting on the weight now. As we progress over the next months, that you healthy and with the proper muscle power, as well as physiological structure, your muscles, your, your skeleton, your bones, excuse me, your ligaments, your cartilage, all needs to be prepared for the extra weight, not just of a backpack, but also of your insulation of your body in a healthy way. Because yeah, my fear you. for you is being in such a hot environment that your ability to withstand the temperatures of the Antarctic in November in November will be our biggest challenge, not the fitness, but now it will be the elements. Um, so next up is the Gobi March in Mongolia in late July. And that is... Yeah, it's in 10 weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Soon, I mean, it's like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say tomorrow, but oh yes, we will be busy there. Um, and you know the conditions there are extreme as well. Um, then um, only a few weeks after that, we go to Chile um, for eight the weeks. eight yeah. weeks of the Atacama crossing, um, which will be very windy. That's the that's also the challenge there. And, and um, elevation also. Yep. I think there is a good five to six hundred six thousand meter elevation there. So, yeah, I mean, yep. oxygen side and yeah, that yep. will yep. be the challenge. So, but your familiarity and your maturity with regards to pacing and energy output will just grow as we go along here. And having Namibia behind you now and knowing your pack and knowing your body and knowing your energy output will be very, very, very beneficial and important 
for now the different environments. Remember, Namibia was your easiest environment for where you live and what you're used to. And we got that done first. And it's great because it allowed you to gain that experience in an environment that you are comfortable in. Um, now we will need to apply that different in Mongolia. And then, of course, as we build through the year into the last desert of Antarctica. So, yeah, so we have Mongolia in late July, Chile in late September, and then Antarctica in late November, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? What was the question we were asking each other at the camp sometimes on the night? Is why we are doing all these things? You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and nobody knows the answer actually. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you you keep asking each other that after each event, yeah. and then hopefully yeah. by the time the Antarctic is complete, you will have found an answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I think I, I, Hishami, I, mine, of course, is to have. A, how many Sorry? how many people are doing all four deserts in a year? Oh uh, yeah, the, the, the four deserts in a year is called the four desert Grand Slam, and only sixty six people worldwide completed it. Sixty six so far, uh, but this, this year, year, yeah, exactly. Yeah, That's what I'm, yeah, this year we have we have fifteen one five fifteen people trying to achieve it. Gotcha. And yeah. how many years have they been doing the four deserts? Uh, I think it's around uh, since 2003 or 2005. I'm not sure. A good right. 10 to 15 years, probably. Yeah, so only yeah. 66 people have ever achieved the Grand Slam in one year. Okay. Yes, correct. Yeah, This is on their website, and all the all these people' uh, identity are described there. And oh, it's yeah. Quite, oh, quite, yeah. Uh, quite, <laughs> quite uh, challenging. I mean, I try to be part of this very, very close community, driven by, by some people. Of course, personal uh, reason, and you know, all of us are doing that for personal reason, but also for this charity cause reason. So I was really thinking during the race in Namibia about the donation made, about the training we have done, and you know, lots of time to think about what we have done. I was even listening to a few of your podcasts during <laughs> during the race. Had a boy. You know, okay, I need to focus on that. I need to do this. Okay, that was great <laughs> resources. You know, you know this body scan, body scan. Body scan. I was yeah. doing it like. I was doing it like maybe a good five, six times per day. I mean, it was during the race, after the race, and what it's, I'm feeling. It's so important. That, you know. It's so important to yeah. learn how to listen better and better on the body scan. The body scan becomes an, um, a tool we can use all the time. And the better we get yeah. at body scan, um, the more detailed and deeper inside our body we can listen from joints to ligaments to besides muscle groups and energy levels. If you are good at listening to your body, and I know people who are incredibly gifted at it, they can tell if they are getting injured or sick days ahead of time. They can, they can tell you what's happening and how things are happening. It is, a, it is a unique tool, but it requires a lot of practice and like any tool, the more you use it, the more proficient and, and skilled you become in applying that tool. So good for you. Good for you. So, Hishami, before we, we finish, before we finish, well, we, you need to keep applying it because in the new environments, it will be harder. Um, what is, what, how can people learn more about Charity Water and um, the, uh, what you're doing there? Um, 
Yeah, I think probably they can start by uh, checking their website definitely and see what what they are doing, what's the the, the, the structure of the project raise and uh, what's the the goal to be achieved, and uh, probably uh, through the podcast we can probably uh, stick a link to the to the donation platform and all is described there yeah. about the project that I'm doing and um, you know the challenges I'm taking and why I'm doing that basically for four deserts each desert is 250 kilometer total 1000 kilometer uh, and I try to raise uh, 30, I think 30000 US dollar uh, for getting clean water access to 1,000 people, 1,000 kilometer, 1,000 people. So That's fantastic. I reach. Uh, That's yeah, fantastic. I reach as of as of today. I think I'm on uh, nine nine thousand six hundred something US dollar. That's great. Uh, which is uh, after race one about thirty three percent of the of the amount uh, I love of the it. goal. I love it. Yeah. I'm very so proud of I you. Love, uh, very I love proud of you that, for this. <laughs> Yeah, I love the friends that donate and, uh, you know, I try to, to do at my level all the marketing and stuff. But, you know, between between the work that I'm doing here, uh, you know, the training and uh, sometimes I just, I cannot uh, expose, you know, these this projects because the, the training is just uh, taking all my time and the recovery and all these things. So, yeah, and, when it, I have and you also work a full-time job. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I wake up every day at 4, 4.30. Uh, yeah, I'm working out. I have an office, but I'm most of it also working 50% outside, exposed to the heat. So I'm just losing my some energies there. Then you ask me to run like a good four hours run after that. So I'm just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm just like uh, I don't know what's going. I mean, people no. around me think I'm like a, like a, like crazy. I think that's the well, reflection of their own things. But I'm just doing my stuff, you know, and happy yeah. with that. Yeah, and and you have a family too, so. There's a lot to balance there, and I'm proud of you, and hopefully you're using this sort of recovery time to um, recenter everything because it will only get harder. There's 66 people in the history that have done what you're looking to do, so um, we still have to be very careful and be very smart, and um, we will do plenty of communicating, but we are one step done of four. And um, yeah, I will put that um, link up on, um, on the website um, for the Weekly Word podcast, um, um, which, by the way, we're changing the website here. So there will be more show notes and links and pictures and so on in the future. Unfortunately, I don't have that up yet, but because um, that would be great to put some of your pictures up that you sent me that are, as always, spectacular. But I will definitely tweet out um, that charity water information and also put it on my website. So why don't you send that to me so that I have that? And uh, w- let's see if we can also help you a little bit with um, what sounds to be a great cause. And, and I appreciate you thinking of a bigger picture um, other than what when, when many of us get caught up in our difficult and, and challenging schedule. I mean, we already have to balance so much. So then to also take on a community, a charity project like this, um, um, kudos and, and much respect to you, Hashame, for that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, I believe at, at my 41 years old, I, I arrived personally at, at Carrefour in my life. You know, where, I mean, we have all or most most of us many things, you know, and I think we just need to go to to much simpler life and help each other. And this is what we are trying to do together and myself with all these things. You know, yeah. I love Thanks it. for your for your support on all this 
training and of course the, of course all, we're all just the other aspects we're just getting great. started my friend so all right well we yeah. are um a one solid hour and 20 minutes in you have a wonderful day recover or evening excuse me it's uh late in the evening there get some sleep um yeah. and i will talk to you in a few days and um until then plenty of swimming i see <laughs> in your training yeah. and you know you, you know why people should go and do an ultra run multi-stage day for the feeling of taking a super great shower after seven days you know, <laughs> doing no shower which is i mean believe it or not, it was just great <laughs> hot cold i went for some you know recovery hot cold hot cold you know for uh 10 minutes maybe but it was so oh man, just crazy <laughs> yes that is a great <laughs> for that great closing comment <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you for your time, and we will talk soon. Okay, Chris. Thanks right. a lot. Thanks a lot. See you Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it. A uh, great podcast with Hisham Mubarak. Um, if you want to look up his results at the Four Deserts. And again, I bring you athletes like these, um, like Hisham, because... You know, the guy has a full-time job, he has a family, and yes, it makes it sound like as if he has barely any time for many of these people, but um, he's incredibly balanced, he's incredibly thoughtful, he gets it all done, and you know, that's what I try to work with all of my athletes on, and I try to, as you know from the podcast here, try to instill upon everybody with regards to fitness and health and ultra endurance work that it can be done and it takes a lot of prep and no we can't do things like he's doing for many years it requires uh, so much and so much commitment and time and sacrifice by everybody around him his family and so forth but um there are opportunities and windows in our lives that we can have these experiences that are truly transformative and um, hopefully and knock on wood and I will do everything I can with all my experience as well as of the resources around me to work with him in order to have him continue to complete this incredible goal of um, running a thousand kilometers in the deserts around the world. And as you heard, there's so much that goes into it, so much logistics, so much thought process. And with that um, comes an enormous amount of work and sacrifice and time so that when he does move from one event to the other and eventually finishes it, the achievement will be one of a lifetime um, and something that he should be very proud of. And I believe all of us are capable, maybe not of this type of event, but an event that really, really pushes us to the extreme far end of what we ever believed we could achieve. And taking that accomplishment and taking that pride and taking that confidence and taking that perspective that we gain into the rest of our lives and handing that on to our loved ones and our children and our community, that, that ability that we discovered and learned, as well as, you know, just being able to carry that joy and that understanding in our day-to-day -day lives. It, it, it all makes a difference and it all comes from you and ultra endurance and making it all work. So yeah, I get, I get so um, proud of athletes when they do 
things that really push themselves like this and that they take on such a joyful and strong attitude with embracing what could be very difficult. And I'm sure it was way more difficult than he is describing in the minutes and moments and hours out there in the fully exposed desert and sand and sun and uh, barren environment. And he's got a lot of hard work ahead of him with regards to the remaining deserts, but he will continue to embrace it and just go with the flow and be happy and think of the greater cause that he's also doing this for. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. And I know you can hear I'm sort of at a loss for words, not because of the emotion or anything, but more that just respect. It's plain respect. So good for him. And I believe in all of you, good for all of you as you are all taking on your own ultra endurance adventures. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking to you guys soon, very soon. I mean, I recorded this here on a Wednesday and I'll probably get in a podcast here again pretty quickly since I have a variety of thoughts to capture. All right. Have a great week. Bye.